Well, we a lot for which to thank God. Amen. Um, every day that we enjoy in this life is a blessing of God. And every time that we um, come before his people, we ought to we ought to shout our praise to what he has done for us. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if you could get wise counsel to guide you all the way through life? So that every time you had a big decision to make or a, a problem that you were confronting, that you could get just infallible, wise advice. That you could avoid the pitfalls and the landmines of life and maximize the opportunities so that you could make the most out of the life that you enjoy. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, I have good news for you, if that's what you're thinking. That you actually do have that. In God's Word, in His, in His book, the Bible, we have the opportunity to get wise counsel for every kind of situation in life. And our good and wise Heavenly Father has given it to us uh, in His book. And He has put some of it for us in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is the Father's guidebook for life. And it offers us divine wisdom for how life really does work and for how to put the puzzle pieces of life together in such a way as to make a beautiful picture uh, in your life so in the few minutes that we have together today uh, i'm just going to speak uh, here for a short time here this morning uh, i'd like to show us all some wise counsel on a couple of issues that that uh, will come up as you go through life um, so if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to open to Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 to 11. So this is what uh, God's Word says here in the first five verses of this chapter. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son. And save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyelids, and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, uh, let me clarify a few things, what we're talking about here. Uh, putting up security for your neighbor is the book of Proverbs description for what we would call co in our days co-signing a loan and yet in other words that you have put your good name and your full faith and credit and your word on the line for someone else and the idea being that if they don't pay back what they owe that you will pay it back and what proverbs is telling us here just just in these verses, is that that is deeply foolish. And if you understand the poetic language, the following, the, what the father is saying here to his son is not that you might be ensnared by this, but that in fact you already are ensnared by this. And uh, if you have already agreed to stand behind a loan 
for somebody else. You need to do whatever is necessary to get out of that. You need to do whatever you can to get out of that. You need to go to that person and take all the steps required to get your name off of that agreement to be as vigorous from running away from that situation as a bird flying away from a, a, you know, a pheasant flying off from a hunter or a, uh, a deer running off in deer season. You need to get away from this. And he's, he's, there are at least three reasons, I think, why it is unwise to do this. First, if that person actually had the ability to pay the loan, they wouldn't need you. The bank, if they thought they had the money to pay them back, would not be bringing you in to make sure they get paid. And trust me when I say this, in most cases the banker's house is bigger than yours. This is his business to know these things, right? Who is a good risk and who is not? And second, and very closely related to the first, uh, is that because they aren't really in a position to pay it off on their own, it's very likely that you will wind up paying it off for them. And by the way, according to the laws of the United States, um, if, uh, if the bill collection comes due and it's not paid, they don't have to come to them first and then come to you. They can come to you directly. They can put a lien on your house. They can garnish your wages. and do whatever they want if your name is on the dotted line. And you will be paying off something that you did not receive benefit for and which you pay only the cost. And that is not very smart. And finally, you also destroy the other person's incentive for going through the hard work of doing what they need to do. Because when you, and when you rob somebody of the incentive to work hard and achieve something they want on their own, then what you're doing is enabling them in a bad situation. Now, obviously, these verses apply very specifically to the situation they're addressing, right? Saying, it comes, if an opportunity comes up to co-sign a loan, don't do it. Don't do it unless you'd like to lose money. Don't do that. That's not very wise. That's not smart. Uh, don't make risky investments just because uh, you like the person who is coming to you. It's going to cost you. It's going to be unwise but i think it also applies more broadly because there are a number of situations that might come up where a friend or a family member or maybe even a fellow church member needs help uh, financial help maybe but um, sometimes other kinds of help what do you do in the in those situations well in both the old and the new testament there's a lot of encouragement about being generous about giving people money without expecting to be paid back, uh, about being generous to the needy, about lending to the poor, and generally having an open hand with God's blessing. In fact, the Old Testament law even forbids charging interest on loans uh, to, your, uh, to your fellow Israelites. They were not to do that. They could charge a Gentile whatever they wanted, but you couldn't charge your fellow Jews any interest on a loan and in fact every seven years all your debts had to be canceled out and every every 50 years the land 
of Israel because God was the landowner and everybody else was just a tenant. He said the land goes back to the original families that owned it uh, so that nobody is supposed to be permanently poor. But, and here's the warning I think we need to hear from the book of Proverbs, that a generous spirit does not mean enabling foolishness. It does not mean subsidizing laziness. It does not mean uh, enabling somebody's addiction. It doesn't mean contributing to your finances to helping somebody out with their, their get-rich-quick scheme. I have always, I, I've, I've been approached by several people like this. Have you, you had this situation? Where they, you know, somebody you haven't heard from in forever wants to get together with you. And they, they, you sit down and you're having a nice dinner. And, you know, you're having coffee or whatever. And they go, well, now let me tell you about why I really wanted to talk to you. And you find out, oh, they want to sell me on Amway or some other thing, right? And you go, look, if you just tell me you wanted to, wanted me to invest in your, in your deal, we could have had a nice conversation. I would have saved you money on dinner, and uh, I could have just told you no up front uh, instead of having to go through all the rigmarole, right? There is all kinds of room and encouragement in your Bible for helping people when they're in need, and we should. But that doesn't mean continuing to invest in foolishness. Amen? That doesn't mean that our help should be of such a kind that we uh, destroy somebody else's incentive to work hard to get what they need, and we take on all the expense of somebody else's life. And some of us know what that's like, where we've got family members that, you know, they're always continually like on the edge of, of uh, disaster financially, right? Well, you know, it's either you come through and help me or like we're living in a box next week. And you're like, okay. And you write a check, whatever, right? And then, you know, then you see they went and bought a jet ski. And you're like, how did that work, right? Um, how did that happen? I thought you were going to be living in a box next week. If I didn't pay the rent, and now you spent $10,000 on a jet ski, what happened, right? And what Proverbs is telling you is don't enable somebody's financial foolishness. Don't be a party to that. Should you help somebody? Should you be generous when somebody's in a bind? Absolutely. You know, we do that as a church, we, we do that as individuals, but don't enable somebody to be stupid. That's not good. Uh, it's unwise, it's not helpful ultimately for them or for you. And then also we have this other situation here, uh, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now the sluggard is a character in the book of Proverbs. He shows up a number of times 
in the book of Proverbs. Uh, he shows up as a person who uh, won't go to work because there might be a lion loose in the street and he might get eaten. That's, that's supposed to be funny. Okay, seriously. <laughs> He's like, there's a lion in the road. I can't go to work, right? Um, that's not really true, right? Is there a lion down 29? Anybody seen one? I haven't either, right? Um, uh, he's the guy who doesn't follow through on anything to the point where he, won't, he's, he sticks his hand in the food bowl and he can't muster the energy to bring it back to his mouth and eat. Okay, he says, the Proverbs talks about him as a guy who turns in his bed like a door on his hinges, right? Like, oh, I probably should get up. Now I'm going to go back to sleep, <laughs> right? Uh, the sluggard is an indecisive person, a man, who, a man or a woman who will never make up their mind and set a course for the future and pursue it to the end. Uh, they're willing to expend any effort um, and uh, take any risk involved as long as it doesn't involve any actual work or decision that they can be held to. And they're just always kind of waiting around for, well, something's going to turn up soon. Well, when my ship comes in, that's the sluggard. They're just always kind of waiting. Now, I will say this. I think the temptation to be a sluggard is one that we all maybe face from time to time. Because it is easier to just be lazy and expect other people to take care of you. But here's what the Bible tells us when we face that temptation to be a sluggard. It says, go to the ant and study her ways. What does the ant show us? If you look at the ant, I mean, think about this. Like, oh, you're, you're a smart guy. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're so smart, go study the ant. Because the ant will teach you some things about life. Uh, first thing that we see is that the ant is self-motivated. The ant is self-motivated. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 7 there. It says, they have no chief or ruler or officer. Now some of you are going, well, wait a minute, hold on, what about the queen? What about the queen ant? The queen ant is not the ruler of the anthill. She is just there to make more ants. That's all she does. That's her whole job, make more ants. She doesn't rule over anybody. And in fact, you won't, if you look, if you, you know, I've had an ant farm before with the boys, and it's really cool. You get to watch them, you know, you turn loose this, these ants and this gel stuff that we had, and they just start tunneling almost immediately. They start making tunnels, and they start storing stuff, and they start just working like crazy. And you go, what is up with the ants, right? And they're working all the time. And, and if you actually get a queen, that's really cool, because, you know, then you start seeing all, all kinds of more ants and doing more work and they're just busy right but there's no as you study the ant what you see is that there's no ant there's no like you know king ant down there with the bullhorn going all right now uh ants uh one through 50 okay you go over on the left tunnel and uh you guys uh you know uh 51 through 100 you go over into the right hand tunnel and oh by the way we need a food chamber and there's none of that the ants all go off and do their work and they uh, don't need anyone telling them what to do to be hard at 
work. And there are no laggards among the ants. There's nobody who's like, hey, that looks like hard work. I'm going to drink another iced tea, right? <laughs> they, they work. And the ant works hard. Uh, as verse 8 tells us, she prepares her bread in the summer. In other words, at the very time of the year when you and I are like going on vacation, having a picnic, having a camp out, the ant is busy. In fact, if you have a picnic or a camp out and you, uh, and you are near enough to an anthill, they will carry off your stuff. You just give them enough time. The ant works hard. Your watermelon and Doritos would be going down in little chunks. Right? <laughs> right down the anthill. Um, and they work and they never complain about it. And finally, it says that the ant prepares for the future. She gathers her food in the harvest. Why do ants work so hard? So that they have something to eat when the hard days of winter come. Because they know pretty soon it's going to be a hard season ahead. Let me tell you this, men and women. If you live long enough, it's going to be a hard season ahead. Amen? It's going to be a hard season ahead. And you want to be prepared for that. Uh, so what's the point of these verses? point is that it's good to be a self-motivated, hard-working person who lays up preparation for the future. It's wise, and those who do it will prosper. Verse 9 asks two questions. It says, how long will you lie there, and when will you arise from sleep? The point is, is that now is the time to get up and get going. Why? Well, verses 9 and 10 tell us that the attitude that says, well, I'll just lay back here and rest a while that says to work, you know, I'll get to that eventually. You ladies that have asked, kind of have a honeydew list at your house, and you've asked your husband when he's going to do something, and he says eventually, uh, what does that mean? Before you die. That's what that means. <laughs> okay. It does not mean this week. It does not mean today. <laughs> it probably means like, well, sometime in the next 6 to 9 to 12 to 24 months, right? Um, maybe not that soon. Um, and the problem here is that when, it, when it, he's, he's talking about a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, is that a little becomes a lot in a big hurry. And a little, what, they, what a lazy person defines as a little looks like a lot to everybody else. And the consequences of laziness eventually cascade into a flood. It says, poverty will come on you like a robber. And scarcity or want here uh, like an armed man. 
laziness will eventually rob you of your financial peace and security. So don't be lazy. It's not only foolish, it dishonors God. And this is His Word to us, and our lives will be blessed if we follow it. Amen? This is wise counsel. Work hard. Make provision for the future. Don't be the kind of person that has to have somebody kicking your tail every morning to go to work. And on top of that, don't, don't invest God's resources in something that is only going to postpone the inevitable in somebody else's life and that you're going to bear the consequences for and that they will not appreciate when you bail them out. Don't do that. It's unwise. Now, it's a short message today. I apologize. But we've got some exciting things to, uh, to do here. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to thank God for His Word to us. Father, we thank You that You do speak very specifically into our lives, even into situations we don't expect the Scripture to address. You give us instruction. And You tell us what the way of wisdom is and how to live under Your blessing and how to prosper in this life. Uh, and Father, we thank You for that. We thank You that Your Word gets into the nitty-gritty details of life uh, from how we should invest money, how we should work, how we, whom we should marry, what our marriages should look like, what our homes should look like as we raise children if we have them. All of the details of life, Father, You have an interest in and You speak to because You love us. And Father, I pray that we would be obedient to your word and that we might uh, live by it in a, in a wise and, and blessed way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.